The Fantastic Four have finally been cast. Jake can stop fretting over it. Marvel's release dates play musical chairs. Star Wars gaming is on the rise. Plus, a look into the tangled Madam Web. All of that and more on this week's Multiverse News. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for all the information about your favorite fictional universes. My name's Matthew Carroll, and on the panel with me today, we've got the wonderful Haley Hobbs. What's happening, Haley Hobbs? Oh, hey, yay, I love being wonderful. <laughs> well, like, I feel like if you add wonderful to your name and with the alliterations, definitely a comic book name, you know? Uh, for That's sure. That's like your, your, your I, yeah. ongoing title, the wonderful I'm Haley just Hobbs. waiting for somebody to put me into comic form. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And Jay Scotty St. Clair, what's happening, buddy? Yeah, it may not be a comic book name, but it does have a certain air to it, does it not? You know? Yeah. Yeah. A certain Claire. <laughs> and Jay Sisson. I don't have any strong opinions on my name. Uh, you know, I'm just here <laughs> to, uh, to bring you the news. <laughs> uh, man has a name. Uh <laughs> To get started, as we've been doing lately, let's read a five-star review. The Dentonators on on uh, Apple says, Multiverse News is a great way to get your geeky news. The anchors are a well-oiled machine, and with some weeks, some weeks having almost no news, they still have me coming back for more. Oh, well, that is very sweet, Dentonators. Thank you. Aww. Ironically, the weeks with no news are our longest episodes somehow. Yeah, somehow, somehow. I think we like we get cocky. We're like, ah, we'll, we'll get through this. We'll get through this quickly. And then we're like, Vruh. there are no weeks with no news. Yeah, yeah. Especially since the strikes are over, I feel like the news has not been light at all. Definitely not. Speaking of the news. That's a perfect segue on this show. Uh, every time. Every Speaking time. of news. <laughs> That's here's, why here's we're some. here. <laughs> it was a significant week in MCU news. Marvel Studios officially cast the Fantastic Four, which they revealed in a Valentine's Day Instagram post. Vanessa Kirby is our Sue Storm. Joseph Quinn is Johnny Storm, Ibn Mas Bacharach will portray Ben Grimm, and Pedro Pascal has taken on the role of Reed Richards. The studio also updated release dates for both Fantastic Four and Thunderbolts, with Thunderbolts moved up to May 2nd, 2025, and Fantastic Four pushed back to July 25th, 2025. That's my birthday. How do we foresee all of these updates and details factoring into the MCU's latest phase? Well, the MCU's back alive, depending on who you talk to, because last week was full of exciting news and a womp, which we'll talk about later. But I was really, really thrilled with the Fantastic Four, um, I guess, confirmation. It wasn't really an announcement when Jay's Roman Empire has been going on for as long as it's been going on and that we've been reporting on it since 
basically the show started, but it was still really exciting. They did it in such a cute way, kind of a um, unique approach. It wasn't like some big splash at Hall H at Comic-Con. It was just this really sweet little Valentine's Day post in this mid-century modern style that I was super obsessed with. So um, loving that the casting is confirmed. And I, I mean, as I break down like who's playing who. Um, I, I love Pedro. That's not really a surprise here. So I'm really excited to see him in this role. Even though he's in everything, he's not obnoxious about it like some people can be. And so more Pedro is fine with me. Uh, I think Vanessa Kirby is the embodiment of Sue Storm. Um, I think of her from The Crown. She played young Princess Margaret. She was great. She was a Napoleon. And then I think most recently of Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, the scene where um, she's playing herself, but she's playing Haley Atwell playing her character and just how well she did in that scene. Like, it was very funny. Um, I always love when actors have to... It was kind of like the Chris Evans, Tom Hiddleston, Loki thing Mm -hmm. in Thor 2 to liken it to something our audience might know um (laughs) come on go back to face off right like face off (laughs) um so i i think she's the one i really love the most uh joseph quinn i don't know i know he was in stranger things he looks great let's go for it but then um eben moss bacharach is or bacharach 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 (laughs) a lot of people are lauding his casting for being the first jewish person to play this character and i want to highlight how important that is because jack kirby who created these characters um identified the most with ben Grimm, the thing somebody who really felt like an outsider and who never felt like they fit in somewhere and so i think it's really nice that marvel recognizes that this time around and that we've got um eben playing that so just really excited um really loving that they're not gonna do an origin story for doing what we wanted, which was getting them fully fleshed out in our MCU. So I know that's kind of a long monologue about that, but um, I know Matt and Scotty kind of chatted on it uh, on MCU cast. So I was like, this is my time to (laughs) write down all my thoughts and get them all out here on multiverse news. Um, And then the moving up of the dates, I think it's interesting with Thunderbolts, all the things we've been talking about, all the kind of turmoil it's gone through. So they've pushed that way up. So I hope it's a solid outing. And then, yeah, big July. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've seen all four of these actors bring it in various roles and like be at the top of their game in various roles. So I think it just speaks to that this is a really, really strong cast. I mean, we've been there since the beginning. Uh, the early casting rumors of like Adam Driver and Margot Robbie and all of that. Um, this is a this is a really good group uh, of of uh, actors put together that I feel like bring a lot of different strengths to these roles. We've we've talked about it. Uh, in the past, whenever these actors were first rumored, and so we kind of broke down what we thought about them more specifically. To me, what was really new and that came out of this post was the actual post itself confirming to us that this film will probably, at least in part, take place in the past, will probably take place in the 1960s. Uh, the aesthetic is really cool. They're wearing Fantastic Four outfits, but they are like sweaters. They have like white gloves mm. and white boots on. I just think like that is a really cool aesthetic that they're going for it's that we're taking a lot of the you know the the 2000 superhero films of taking themselves a little too seriously you know one of the 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 most recent fantastic four sort of 
does that, right? It kind of takes itself extremely seriously. And, and this seems to know what it is, which I think we saw from Matt Shackman when he directed WandaVision. Like, WandaVision was hyper self-aware of what it was. And to me, this seems like it's it's doing that. I am seeing online that this film, at least what people who are involved with it think that it's probably going to be, is it will tell concurrent stories. So it will not take place all in the 1960s, but like it will take place in the 1960s and it will take place sort of in the present day, kind of alongside of one another. It'll kind of go back and forth, which I think makes sense. I don't think that 60s aesthetic of a movie is for everyone, but I think it has, it's powerful, you know? And so like, I like that idea of being able to sort of marry those two things together. Uh, But as far as the release dates go, man, it makes for a really, really interesting 2025 from a Marvel cinematic universe standpoint. That means assuming these dates don't change, which we know how that's been, but that would assume at the moment you're getting Captain America, Brave New World in February, then Thunderbolts, then Fantastic Four in July, and then Blade in November, if that date holds. So those are four really big tentpole properties. Then you've also got Superman Legacy two weeks before uh, Fantastic Four in July, launching the DCU. So it's a lot of material kind of coming out in that year. So that seems to be, at least at the moment, a really big and interesting year that we got coming up here. But yeah, I think it, it raises our excitement a lot for the MCU. I mean, you have the Deadpool, the Deadpool three, you have this, you have, um, the X-Men 97, which we'll talk about later, you know, like a lot of big things are happening here uh, in the MCU. And I think it, it raises the excitement level for sure. Yep. The MCU is just, I mean, it's been, it's, it's out of the dustbin of history, you know, <laughs> it's been resurrected from, whatever calamity people were claiming it was in the middle of. I just feel like this whole week of announcements, uh, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, people have been saying that about the MCU for a while, but we've just had nothing but bangers lately. And uh, and this is a huge, I, I'm all in on all four of these. I, and I trust Marvel in their casting decisions. Um, honestly, all their, even the movies and TV shows I don't like, I still almost ex- like their uh, casting decisions always. I can't think of one I don't like. Malekith, but it wasn't his fault. He's great, but I was <laughs> yeah, mad for Eccleston. <laughs> no, I love the casting, but I'm mad because they wasted Eccleston. Like he's yeah. behind a big rubber thing, and they never give me anything. <laughs> Sorry, just trying to think of one I don't like. But um, yeah, I'm just really excited. I think uh, as as you said, Haley, we talked about it extensively on the MCU cast. So uh, me and Jay Scott talked about it a bunch there. Um, so I'm not gonna go on too long, except to just say I'm really excited, and uh, I think all of these people have work in their past that shows that they can pull these characters off and that they're flexible uh, and can do a lot of cool things, Uh, particularly Pedro and Vanessa Kirby. Um, And the other two, I feel like, are a little less known quantities, but what I've seen of them I love. So, yeah, he's one of my favorite parts of The Bear and one of my favorite parts of Stranger Things, uh, respectively. So I'm really excited. I'm really satisfied with all of this this casting. It sounds really, really solid. Vanessa Kirby is the standout for me, as I have, have stated. And then I, I think Joseph Quinn is probably the most unproven quantity. He kind of really feels like, you know, he had this opportunity with Stranger Things and he's just kind of, you know, capitalizing on that opportunity. But again, from what I've heard, he got 15 minutes of screen time and people have absolutely latched onto him. And from what I saw with the promotional artwork, he he looks like he's going to be a phenomenal Johnny Storm. So uh, I, I do think about, you know, as much as I loved the Instagram post on Valentine's Day and the, the way they 
they did the post and the 60s aesthetic and vibe and the way it actually looked like an advertisement from the 60s. I loved all that. But I do wonder, like, as the news cycle has gone on about the timing, like, yes, they were coming off the heels of the Deadpool trailer and there's a lot of enthusiasm for Marvel. But I also can't help but think, like, had this news come out, like, on a week of its own, it probably would have dominated the news cycle. And yeah, it, it's it's kind of, you know, I see both sides of it because like we have known that this is going to be the cast for so long. They just kind of needed to get it out there. Uh, but I, I just hope the the lack of staying power in the in the conversations I'm seeing are not indicative of a lack of enthusiasm because with the release date of, you know, July 2025, I think that is a show of confidence. Maybe that release date is going to change, but from Marvel's side, I think it is a strong show of confidence, which is what they need with the first family. I think the lack of conversation is, <laughs> I mean, I saw a lot of conversation about it, a lot of excitement. But a lot of the lack of conversation is because we already knew it. Sure. I mean, sure, sure. A lot of that conversation happened four weeks ago or whatever. I heard a lot more back then. And now it seems like, you know, the it's not old news. It's new news. But it was sort of so rumored that we kind of have already had those conversations, I guess. Kevin Feige, a little on the list of this show, deciding to release this less than 24 hours after we released last week's episode. You know, just, <laughs> yes. uh, just know that we noticed and we're not pleased. Yeah. Jay's real salty about it, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, we are displeased. E-B-I-N, if you're listening. When that when that post came down, I think the first thing I texted our just like multiverse news uh, group chat was just like, "You've got to be effing kidding me" or something. <laughs> I was like, so yeah, you dropped an expletive, and I was like, "Jay's mad." <laughs> Great. All right, moving on. Dune Part 2 held its world premiere in London last week, bringing several valuable nuggets of information to the surface in addition to showcasing some truly out-of-this-world fashion. Most surprisingly, Anya Taylor-Joy was in attendance, confirming her unknown participation in the sequel. While she disclosed her character to those in attendance, it has not yet been officially announced. Following the premiere, first reactions to the film hit the internet with overwhelming positivity and praise, citing it as superior to the first installment and lauding it as a sci-fi masterpiece. Do we believe in the prophecy? To co-opt Jim Carrey as Lloyd Christmas's line from Dumb and Dumber, just when I didn't think you could go and do anything to make me more excited, you did it. So, uh, I was incredibly hyped for Dune 2, but these first reactions coming out, uh, just the overwhelming positivity and like you know, just the fact that it's being cited as a masterpiece, better than the original. Like, and I and I love the original. Like. I, I don't know, like this, this just is overwhelmingly positive for me and does a lot to boost my enthusiasm and excitement. As far as the world premiere goes, it does seem like it was quite the event. I would have loved to be there in person, but I was reminded about how much of a fashionista I am not. Like I like to think <laughs> I am, you know, reasonably fashionable, but when I saw some of these, these outfits like Zendaya specifically like more power to her i love the confidence but i am just not in the fashion world because i was like what am i looking at uh, but I, I did think the anya taylor joy aspect of it all was really intriguing because this is such a high profile movie with such a stacked cast to find out that we have such a talented player joining the fray so late in the game uh was huge news and you know she did tell the people that were in attendance 
in attendance who her character is, and I I have had that knowledge spoiled for me. I will not spoil <gasps> that for anyone else. She's the sandworm. She plays the voice of the yeah. sandworm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't really say anything else without getting into spoiler territory, but I will be interested to see uh, what the reception to her character is. But again, all of the early reactions have been so positive that I think you know this, this movie is just going to fire on all cylinders like I expect it does. And I'm trying not to go in with unrealistic expectations, but the hype is real. <laughs> Uh, you can tell me later, Scotty. I kind okay. of want to know. Okay. <laughs> uh, Zendaya was in some vintage Mueller piece uh, for people okay. who do follow fashion. Supreme Leader Ashley Koff and I had a great time breaking down the fashion of that red carpet. <laughs> and she was Scotty's she was girl, out there looking like she was out there looking like C three PO. Yeah, she. <laughs> you could even see her little booty cheeks. She had like a body glove on. It was you know whatever, but uh-huh. you know, go her, whatever. Yeah, it, yeah. it caused a stir. Real. Um, yeah. Scotty's girl Florence looked mm. the best, I thought, in my opinion. And yeah, Dune Part Two is shaping up really nicely. I have uh, some sneaking suspicions about what is going to happen in that movie, and I'll keep those to myself. But there's not much more to say other than it looks super epic. Typically, the reviews that come out of these early red carpet events are always positive and that makes sense right i mean you want to if you're a journalist and you're invited like you want to be invited again so you're gonna go on and talk positively but this one does seem a little different like it seems like people are going out of their way to praise this movie as not just a good movie or good visuals or great acting but people are putting in this category of like you know, every 10 years or so, there's a movie that comes along that sort of defines a decade, and this is one of them. It seems to be kind of mm. one of that prevailing nuggets of information that I see putting out, being put out there a lot. So for me, you know, I try not to get ahead of myself too much at these red carpet events just because they're always they're, – you're not going to come out of a red carpet event and trash a movie. But at the same time, like, I feel myself kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit with this one because just the praise for it does feel different. I mean, I saw people comparing the action in it to, like, I haven't seen action like this in a movie that made me feel this way since I saw, like, the Battle of Helm's Deep and the Two Towers or something like that, mm, like that wow. level. And that's, you know, and that's just extremely lofty praise that you would give mm-hmm. a, a movie. And I've seen it, this movie called The Sci-Fi masterpiece of this generation you know and so it's like there's a there's a lot i mean this this movie has got a lot riding on it and it's got very big shoes to fill and big expectations but it seems like at least to this point it is meeting those expectations so yeah it's um it's gonna i think it's gonna be huge um i think a lot of people uh, i mean a lot of people caught it in the theater but i think a lot of people have caught up on it on streaming ever since and i think a, i think just there's a lot of anticipation for this thing. I think people are going to go see it like crazy. It's interesting. Uh, it's hard for me to like place this. I, I was, ne- I've never, uh, I was never a Dune fan growing up or anything. And like, it always felt like more of a niche science fiction thing, like a little more, um, I don't know, less known. Obviously it's not star Wars. It's not star Trek. It's sort of like the related to those, but sort of the, uh, I guess not as big, not as big. And it's interesting because it, to hear people saying that about the sequel, makes me excited for it but also while it was a big cult the first one was a big cultural moment it i don't think i don't think hit the heights that they're talking about with this one so it's interesting to see if this one if it is that much of a masterpiece if it can sort of retroactively make the series um that that level of popularity that would it would deserve if it is that sort of masterpiece or if it will continue to fly sort of under the radar as like 
yeah, still the sort of lower level of the franchises because there's a lot more books and stuff, right? In in the mm-hmm. Dune series, and I know they're not as popular, but like they could probably do more with this universe. Yeah, you get into murky murky territory there as well because I think Frank Herbert wrote five books and had a like a sixth book mostly done before he died, and then his son like co wrote a lot of books, and like the fandom is divided on whether or not his son's books are canon or not. Okay. Yeah. Still five books. It's, yeah. that's, that's, there's a lot of content there that if they if this was was the the masterpiece they're talking about, if it was something that like made people think and talk a lot about this franchise, like so you could see more of this being made, or or you know, and I don't know that Denis Villeneuve has any plans to do that, so it would probably have to go to someone else, and then you get a whole. You know, will it be? Then there'll be the same conversations like you're talking about with the authorship, where it's like, yeah, do we really consider this one canon because it's not done by the same director? You know, it's it's yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself. It being talked about in that way makes me excited for its popularity, possibly, and like the conversations that could happen around it. I mean, part one came out when it was late 2021, so things mm. were still not, you know, we were still not 100 yeah. percent back to quote normal in the world and. I think that's why it got more people watching it on streaming, but I think the hype around part two is extremely real. And the thing about Dune is that it's such foundational science fiction. When you read it, you can see how much was taken by George Lucas and put into his Star Wars universe, like, a lot. And things are still, like, being adapted from it to this day in the star wars universe there was something in the recent season of the mandalorian that made me go oh i just read that in dune like so it's it's classic <laughs> oh, in that I, I way i know what you're talking about i can't remember what it was <laughs> that's the was it the christopher thing. lloyd episode maybe i'm thinking it was but so anyway. <laughs> in any case like um even though it's been maybe less well known in modern times it really is a classic for science fiction and i think oh yeah denis villeneuve is paying it homage for that reason dune also it should be said was part of that crop of films that were released on hbo max at the same time as they were put into mm-hmm. theaters so and they were only released for a month but still, that was one month that you could watch that movie on release day at home. You did not have to go to a theater. So the movie still, I just looked it up, cleared $433 million worldwide, which doesn't seem like a lot for a movie of that size. But that is something that you just have to keep in mind. It's like, it was 2021, we were just coming off of COVID, mm-hmm. and a lot of people caught that movie at home on their couch. They didn't go out to the theater. Yeah, it's true. And what was that release model called? Day and date. Day and date release. I hope it's a term I never have to hear again. I still don't know exactly what it means. Remember when Disney was like, you want to pay $30 to watch this movie? No. Mm. <laughs> remember remember when people did it, too? It was like, what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, never. Never. Crazy. Um, something else that makes me think a lot about, uh, when you're talking about the way it's foundational, and, and even talking about the Battle of Helm's Deep, um, I feel like I'm staying on the story too long. I'm sorry, but I had to say this. Uh, something that I, my experience, not having not read all the Lord of the Rings books, um, watching those movies, something I had the experience of was n- having a really hard time being surprised because I'd seen so many things that were uh, successors of that story that like like you're talking about with the Mandalorian or whatever. And I'd so when I was watching it, I was like, oh well, these guys are gonna show up because or this is gonna happen. Because I just seen so many stories sort of based on the lore of this story. And I'm and I'm 
I'm interested to see if they can pull, if Denis Villeneuve can do what I think Peter Jackson didn't do for me, which is like, even though it's foundational, even though there's probably been a million, it, it launched a thousand sci-fi ships, like, can it surprise me? Can he like make that battle feel surprising to me and interesting to me? Even though I've probably seen a bunch of successors that did similar things in the in this year since. So I don't know. All right. Up next, Star Wars seems all in on video game expansion of the saga's lore this week with developer of Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor Respawn Entertainment reported to be in the early stages of creating a first person Mandalorian bounty hunter video game. This news was coupled with comments from Cameron Monaghan the actor who provides the likeness, voice, and motion capture for Cal Kestis, uh, the protagonist of Respawn's Star Wars games, who said he'd be open to portraying the character in live action under the right circumstances. How do we feel about the potential of more video game and live action crossovers trending in the galaxy far, far away? Yeah, we read uh, a story last week about how Disney is committing fully to getting involved in the video game sphere uh, with a massive investment in Epic Games. And this, to me, is an offshoot of that. Uh, They have, Disney themselves have sort of given out their Star Wars license to a lot of different gaming developers over the years. And some have been met with success and others have not uh, in that time. And that's always kind of the thing with Star Wars. People who play Star Wars games, it's like, some of them are when they're good they're very good when they're bad they're just very very bad and um in the good category is star wars uh jedi fallen order uh that that game was uh, very interesting. It was plugged into the canon very well. Uh, it worked on a lot of different levels. And Cameron Monaghan, who plays the the main character, it's more than just voicing. He looks exactly like Cameron Monaghan because he does all of the motion capture for that character. So it was a full acting role to be able to play that, uh, that particular character in that game. And so to me, I think making the jump to live action makes complete sense. Where where it is on the canon, it's it's between uh, um, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope that his story is taking place, and then the universe has sort of developed a few years after that around the Mandalorian, kind of like after Return of the Jedi. So it's, it's totally conceivable that you could make that jump and plug him in. He's already an established actor. He's been in a lot of big projects. He uh, played like the Joker in the Gotham series. Um, you know, he's, he's been Proto-Joker. in things like, yeah, right. Like the, Sorry. the, pr- the pr- <laughs> however we categorize that show. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, he's uh, he, to me, like, that makes total sense. If he's on board, I think like you got to make that happen at some point, even if it's something small. Um, as far as the Mandalorian games game goes, I'm shocked that they haven't done this sooner uh, with the popularity of the Mandalorian, especially in season one, where it was really, really embraced by Star Wars fans. I'm, I'm shocked that we haven't gone there already. Uh, but overall, I think this is exciting news. I think if you're a Star Wars fan, there's a lot to get excited about here. And if you're a fan of video games, there's a lot to be excited about here, too. I have two thoughts. If you're going to make a Mandalorian game, similar to our Indiana Jones discussion two weeks ago, like why put it in first person? We want to see the Mandalorian flying around. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I could see maybe if it's a VR game wanting to feel like you're in the helmet. But like, other than that, I would like to see in third person and see the character running around. 
Well, so so that's the thing that we just know that this is a Mandalorian bounty hunter game. We don't know that it is the Mandalorian. And for my purposes, sure, sure, sure. I actually, I actually give Respawn a pass in this in this regard because I've played some of their previous games outside of the Star Wars franchise, and they made the Titanfall games. And Titanfall Two specifically was a first person game where it had a lot of really cool gameplay elements, like you could do wall running, and you had these little like jet boosters that kind of like increased your maneuverability. And like I think that would be perfect, like thinking about like a bounty hunter like mandalorian character with the jetpack mm. and everything like that you probably want it from the first person's perspective in order to like really get that satisfying you know effect with the the various tools and weapons you're going to be using because i think about that first season of the mandalorian and like i remember when it came out i thought it felt like the plot of a video game like he's getting the armor upgrades he's getting the weapon upgrades like when he gets the whistling arrows like that feels like you just completed a mission now you got to unlock the new weapon now you get to use it like Whistling birds. Whistling birds, whistling arrows, whistling birds. Thank you. <laughs> I deserve that for the, the proto joker. <laughs> uh, Don't out nerd me, I'll out nerd you. <laughs> a good old fashioned nerd off. Me versus Scotty. Yeah. But uh, going back to the. the Cameron Moynihan or Monaghan, I don't know him well enough to know how he pronounces his name there, but I've, I've seen him pop up in a few things, and I know he kind of like cut his teeth on the show Shameless, but I have really liked um, the Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor games. I actually conveniently just beat the second game um, the previous weekend, and uh, Jay, you kind of bring up how it is, it is the actor in the games, like it is his likeness. That's a little bit of a problem going forward because in the second game, it allows you to have so much customization. You can change his hair. You can change his <laughs> facial hair. So like, if they bring a Cal Kestis onto screen that is not my Cal Kestis, there's, there's going to be a, a hashtag campaign going on. Uh, restore, restore the Jace Cuddy cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hashtag not my Cal. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with the Bad Batch, we, we had kind of a little bit of a tease and... Um, in season one, they actually went to the same planet that Cal Kestis started off in the first game, Bracca. Oh, cool. uh, so I, I think in terms of like the timeline, they would have to lean towards the earlier days of like, you know, the the start of the rebellion because of of Cameron Moynihan's involvement. I mean, I guess they could age him up if they wanted to, but but why would you? Is kind of my question. So mm. uh my my only thought about uh Cameron uh, Moynihan, Monahan, I'm not sure. Uh <laughs> I thought it was Monahan, but I don't really know. I think you. I mean, it might even be Monaghan. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three, <laughs> three, three different ones today. Um, but good old Cameron, our good friend Cameron, friend of the show. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he. I love him. I think he's really great, and I particularly love his Joker. Like on Gotham, he had two versions of the Joker that he played, and they tried to make them very different. And he ends up being Joker number one and Joker number two on that show. And he's supposed to be the inspiration for a future Joker whatever but i just loved his first joker he was great he he went all in he was like really really uh uh i don't know bought into the joker character and like i i liked it i liked it a lot i just love his joker and i think it's under i think it's an underrated joker <laughs> what was his name like jerome or something like yeah, that yeah jerome uh and then his brother is it sort of succeeds the role and then his brother, the first Joker, is very much the Joker you think of when you think of the Joker. He's rah, like crazy, wild, funny. And then the the next Joker, they decided to make his brother a like twin brother, a uh, like completely stoic, quiet Joker. And it was interesting to see the same actor take both of those roles. But like 
I just did was not on board with that second one. I was like, no, go back to being <laughs> funny and crazy and wild. And like, what is, who is this guy? This isn't the Joker. Um, so I, he's both my favorite and least favorite Joker on that show. Not really my favorite Joker, but a good Joker. Okay, Madam Web released in theaters last week, and with a $26.2 million six-day haul, C-plus cinema score, and 13% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, the reception across the board is downright pitiful. The performance is not entirely unexpected, as the film has been saddled with a laughable marketing campaign a disparaging and disparaging comments from Madam Webb herself, Dakota Johnson. This seems to mark a new low for high-profile comic book adaptations. So we ask, what exactly went wrong with Madam Webb, and are there any lessons Sony can learn in time to save Craven from a similar fate? Well, I'm going to say this. We've all foreseen it, which I think is so cool. We've all seen it. What did you think, Haley? Unfortunately, uh, it's bad. Okay, so it's bad. We all know it's bad. (sighs) Hot take. I know. It's controversial, you guys. (laughs) When you think about all of these things that Sony tries to do with Spider-Man adjacent characters, remember that at the heart of this Spider-Verse, they're calling it, or as Brian and I called it on source pages, not Spider-Man-Verse, remember that at the heart of it is Avia Rod. And Avia Rod is continuing to produce these movies for Sony, and he's not good at it. And one mm-hmm. thing in particular about Avia Rod is he's not um, he, he's not supportive of female characters. He wants characters on screen that will sell toys for his company because that is still where he makes a lot of his money. And so. They tried to, I'm going to quote, say, branch out and have a female-led superhero movie in their not-Spider-Man-verse with still not-Spider-Man in it, and of course it failed. And of course it failed. And not only that, they had one movie plot, and they completely changed it into the movie we saw. (laughs) And I don't know which one would have been better. Probably both of them would have been bad regardless. Um, but then you put Milktoast Dakota Johnson in it as the leading lady, which she's really not one. And it's just, it was just a recipe for disaster. And that's what it was. Um, I I think the funniest thing about it was the baby shower scene. Cause I mean, represent that was accurate, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it, it just speaks to these greater issues that lie at the heart of Sony. And they're, going to put Craven out and Craven might be a little better. I'm going to get on my feminism platform and say, because it's a male led movie, but I just, I don't have any kind of faith or hope in the future of this verse. And I don't understand why they won't simply, I mean, I understand why they won't partner with Marvel studios because money, but think about how much more money you'd make if you Mm -hmm. partnered with Marvel studios and made good movies. Yep. (laughs) This, I mean, this movie was an absolute train wreck. Like, from top to bottom, it was a train wreck. And are we talking spoilers or no? What do you guys think? Do we talk spoilers? Uh, uh, probably, probably not a good I'll idea. I'll try to stay away from it. It's hard to talk <laughs> about how much of a train wreck it is without talking about spoilers. So I think, sure, like, yeah. if you want to talk about it in more in-depth, you and uh, Scotty and Matt covered it on um, the MCU cast. Go listen to that, because you guys did a good job going more into depth as to some of the the issues that I really had with it. The story of it was 
clearly, clearly so just chopped up to death from different ideas and then strung together. Like, there are so many plot lines that never come together in a meaningful way and make no sense and do not connect together. There are so many just, like, things that the characters do that they wouldn't do that a normal human would not do like things that you're just like (laughs) why would you say that or do that that way like the the adr was so just like was offensively bad throughout this movie (laughs) like clearly Mm -hmm. the the lines were shaped so much in post-production and i think when the trailer for this movie first came out I I expressed a lot of optimism because I saw the core of an idea and I thought, okay, it's a time travel thing. It's a, we're trying to stop the death of someone with the stopping a thing from happening and it's sort of final destination and it's kind of like mid-2000s kind of campy horror type thing. And I was down with that. Like if that was the idea that they were going to take it in, okay, I can see where that would be kind of cool. That sort of can kind of match up with the Madam web from the comics. If you kind of do what, what I think you're going to do with it, but we did not get that story at all. This, this was um, clearly an idea at some point that was taken and put through some sort of a, how do we make this into a marketing campaign and how do we cut this up into a, into a story that just on the other end does not work cohesively. And you could see like there, you could see the red flags on the horizon very early. (laughs) Like, like Haley, you mentioned Dakota Johnson. It wasn't just her. It was a lot of the people from this cast were already jumping ship. Dakota Johnson fired her management a day after the Madam Web trailer came out. All right, because like this, I mean, you could end up like you see that and you just know. All right, the review embargo for the movies, critics could not talk about it until the day before release date. Okay, and that is a bad sign. <laughs> when, when they say that, when they say like, hey, you can review my movie, but you cannot discuss it until the day before it comes out, that is almost universally a sign that they have zero confidence in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was full court press for PR. Like they went out and they said, hey, you want to see look at dakota johnson and sydney sweeney in these dresses at the premiere you know like that was what they were pushing <laughs> they were not pushing the movie they were like check out the dresses oh hey fantastic four did you guys see that you know deadpool 3 like it was <laughs> it was full court press like move on from this as fast as possible uh generally speaking like without talking about all the things i hated about the movie which was like ex- which would we would be here all night but it's just <laughs> like <laughs> but like it gives me zero confidence in the Sony verse. Uh, it proves to me, which I already felt like there was little direction in tying this thing together. This is just more proof of that. If anything, this is like, like extra proof of that because it's, it's all of the lessons that should have been learned years ago have not been learned, uh, by this, this team that's knitting this thing together. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, this thing, I mean, this thing's not like, <laughs> it's not it's not if you're looking for Madam Web 2 uh, it's not happening you know like this uh they've already the the campaign for this movie which I'll end with this is uh has already been like come see it because it's so bad you know it's cult classic like you'll laugh you know like that has seeming to that has seemed to be the direction and you know i guess that's the best way for it to go out it's on some level yeah i again you, you guys mentioned it, but me and Jay Scott you talked a lot about it on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast uh, so I don't want to like go crazy detail. We talked for like an hour and a half about it. So like, uh, it, it's it's bad and it, it depresses me because I think there's a lot of good ideas in it. Um, 
and they're just so like I think the execution is just the worst execution I've seen on a large budget movie. Like I, I can't think of one that is worse. Like there are movies I really, really don't like, and this one like blows them out of the water <laughs> for like how bad it is. Uh, or they blow this one out of the water, however however. Um yeah, it's it's just bad. And Dakota Johnson is the center of that. Um yeah, I think there's just so many things they could have done to make this a cooler or better movie. Um, you mentioned Final Destination, uh, Jay. I really wish this had been a straight-up Final Destination-style horror movie. There are flashes of like murders in the movie that could have been creative, but every time he just snaps a neck... Like it's every time that's the only way he kills someone. And it just feels like let's make this as palatable and PG 13 as possible without any gore while having a man like chase women and trying to murder them. Like it just, I don't know. It, it just seems like you're go one way or the other with it. It just, it's just that such dude's a part was mess. the worst part of the movie. It was bad. <laughs> oh, I love the marketing bad. campaign geared around towards like, Hey, um, check out these cool women, uh, superheroes in these costumes. Like, don't you want to see that? Isn't that empowering? They're all superheroes. And then how much screen time do the costumes get uh, about what? Like 12 seconds or something. Like, it's like not even, it's not even a, fa- like you could tell the marketing was like, how do we sell this to people or they want to see it? And then like, you go see the movie. You're like, well, that is not what I expected at all. <laughs> How do we sell toys? <laughs> it's true. That's one of those complaints that I've heard a lot that I don't really agree with is the whole like they're only in their suits for a few seconds. That is definitely what I assumed from the trailer. Like the trailer says one oh, day there'll all. be this. Really? Yeah, I, yeah, I took from I took from the trailer that that was like that was where it was all going to come together was that there was. A, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. <clears throat> no, yeah, I definitely like that is this is exactly the amount of screen time I was expecting based on the way the trailer was structured. Um, cause it's all like, even in the trailer, it's all just like kind of these blurry visions of them in the future. It's like, look what they will be. And now we have to, yeah, I, I guess I assumed that. So that didn't bother me at all, but yeah, it's uh, it is weird. It is weird to like go through the process of fitting people for superhero costumes that don't look very good. They look like kind of CW cheesy and then like only put them on the screen for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I can describe this movie as so bad that it's good it's it's certainly not that but it's it's not good and in the case of like <laughs> dune part two i have to be very wary against like you know expectations painting my experience and it's kind of the exact opposite with madam webb like my expectations were so low that i actually ended up like this was not the worst of the sony spider-man spin-off movies i've seen like i i still feel like venom let there be carnage is the absolute worst but you know it, it's easy to to you know kick them when they're down and treat this movie like a punching bag like there's just there's so much there that they did wrong it's it's really easy to pick on it but uh you know matt you kind of like you you highlighted a little bit about how it made you sad because there were, there was potential there. And then even Jay, like you describing like the, you know, getting to see these, these female superheroes in their costume for a second and just kind of like the misleading with the marketing. And then even Haley, like you, you talking about how like Craven might benefit just because of the fact that like, it's a, it's a male driven film. Like that is the part that is really sad to me because I did go see this movie and I went and saw it in theaters and yeah, I was like laughing at parts you weren't supposed to laugh at. And I wasn't the only one, but at the end there was this young girl that had to be like 11 or 12 years old and she went to clap and like 
it was just like no we're like nobody's clapping at this thing Aww. but like it, it just sucks like the fact that like this little girl was excited she saw characters that she thought she was going to be really to and maybe in the moment she did but it just kind of sucks that the the story surrounding this movie like she will probably have to like grow up being like oh i like that movie but it is a trash movie it's, it's just mm-hmm. sad and disappointing uh but that being said i can't have a laugh a laugh at the same time (laughs) (laughs) well that speaks to i mean this is a much much bigger conversation but it speaks to and Haley, you kind of said something about this um up at the top of this segment is like a lot of these movies are especially movies that are like female centric superhero movies or comic book movies are being made with male audiences in mind and it bogs them down right and so like Mm. sometimes like like this movie felt like that on some level to me was like they they were so interested in speaking to the percentage. Like how much a percentage is male versus female of this audience? Like there was so much more geared towards that rather than just like telling like a, a good story, you know, like, uh, and I, I don't know, like, I don't know how much I could speak to that, you know, with just like, <laughs> like, obviously I'm a, a guy talking about that, but it's just like, but like you can, you can kind of pick up on that a little bit. Like, and this movie, like it just, it didn't, I'm I'm thinking about like the Marvels, which kind of I felt like really leaned into what it wanted to be, you know, and and I know it suffered at the box office, but it's still like you knew what it was, and it was a movie that was it didn't try to make itself be something that it wasn't, you know what I mean? And there's a there's a bigger conversation there I think to be had about like about comic book movies, who's seeing them, and then how much is a studio catering to the audience that they think will see it. Right. Rather than just kind of like focusing in on making the movie. Um, And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's clear that there was a lot of research done on what is going to play with this thing. And there was not a lot of thought about like, how do we tell a good story? To compare it to the Marvels is so unfair because the Marvels and you weren't doing that. I'm just saying that's been done. And the Marvels was made by women for women Mm. and it shows and it's a, it's a, Compared to this movie, it's a freaking Oscar winner, right? <laughs> and, but it's a good movie. It's a feel-good movie. I enjoyed watching it. A lot of people enjoyed watching that movie. It just suffered at the box office for reasons you can go back and listen to on our show that were out of its control. And this movie suffers for the opposite reason, just like you said. And they were like, oh, Dakota Johnson, she was in those BDSM movies. Like, let's get her. Mm. And then, oh, Sydney Sweeney, she's the hottest thing in the world right now. And then they tried to make her look like a 12-year-old, and it was creepy. And I was just like, <laughs> is this what people want? Clearly, it's not. <laughs> hey, it's supposed to take place in the mid-2000s, and they did a she's all that. You know, they put her in glasses, and they were like, she's nerdy now. <laughs> she's a nerdy girl. She's got knee-high socks on with this tiny just little Just wait skirt. till she takes off her glasses. You'll see how pretty she is. <laughs> yeah. It's giving Britney Spears and baby one more time. Yep. It is. It is giving that. <laughs> not Brittany's fault <laughs> i'm not singing toxic to myself right now <laughs> <laughs> that part made me chuckle yeah pretty good hey if you like this show uh you know try to support us over on patreon patreon.com slash multiverse newscast um and uh we we you know uh work really hard to bring you this show every week so if you like it give us that dollar a week tip that you uh that you might might throw to us uh if it's worth it to you really would be uh appreciated four dollars to be a patron 
Uh, we got a giveaway going on over there right now, too. Uh, we're going to draw Ooh. for a Multiverse News coffee cup. It looks exactly like oh. you think it looks. Uh, it just has our <laughs> logo on it. And, uh, yeah, I think we're <laughs> we're drawing for that on, I believe, the 29th of February. So if you are a paid uh, at the paid tier on Patreon, which, again, is only $4 a month, you are automatically entered to win that. Uh, you don't have to do anything. And uh, if you win it, I'll send it straight to you. So we do that. And we do that kind of frequently. Like we've given away a lot of stuff over there on Patreon. So um, you come in and, you know, you're going to be automatically entered to win a lot of stuff pretty regularly. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Uh, so, yeah, patreon.com slash multiverse newscast if you want to join us. And uh, we got a lot more stories to talk about after the break in the uh, lightning round. And we'll be right back after this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Multiverse News. Uh, first, let's kick it off with talking about our last week's Spotify poll. We talked about our tra- on our trailer episode, we talked about which trailer from the Super Bowl is most exciting to you. Uh, we got uh, 2.5% say Fall Guy. Um, A Quiet Place Day 1 got 5%. Wicked got 3.8%. Uh, Twister's got 0%. That is cold. Ooh, that is I would have voted for Twisters, but I forgot. Well, why? Goodness, Haley. Goodness. Sorry, you I don't use Twisters Spotify. down. <laughs> Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes got 7.6%, and I think to nobody's surprise, Deadpool and Wolverine got 81% of the vote uh, from our uh, little audience here. What are you guys most excited for? I, I probably am most excited for Deadpool and Wolverine, but in terms of like trailers, I did think Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes was the best trailer oh, yeah. for my purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to stick to my guns on Twisters. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to speak up for Glenn Powell and that white I t-shirt. I was going to say, but if Glenn, Powell, <laughs> if Glenn Powell wasn't the lead, like if it was, I don't know, Chris Pratt or something, are we as excited? Probably not, right? No. No. <laughs> not, of course. <laughs> He's the Sydney Sweeney right now for women. <laughs> I can see Chris Pratt being like, oh, come on, another twister. Come on. <laughs> another How, would one. you like some Pringles twister? <laughs> I don't have a good Chris Pratt voice. So you just got to roll with it. <laughs> just channel your inner white guy. You'll, you'll get there. <laughs> Chris Pratt's actually in Twister, and he does a spot on Mario voice. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> It's inception joke. <laughs> it's too many layers. It is. Totally is. Oh, this is how I wind up in Wicked. <laughs> Take the tornado, go to another franchise. <laughs> I get us. Yes. You better move on or I'm going to bring Garfield. I'm going to bring Garfield. I like, I like, oh God, I like Garfield. that joke a lot. Uh, Scotty, because doesn't he use tornadoes in the uh, Mario Three? Uses the tornadoes to move them from from oh, map to map call. too. Yeah, so it's like right. a that was a triple oh reference, Jay Scotty. You didn't even realize it. You helped me get there. <laughs> <laughs> too far, too far. <laughs> Flew too close to the sun. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the, our lightning round uh, now. 
uh, it, you know, is how this works. We are going to uh, say some more stories, and we're each going to claim them by shouting our name if we want to talk about it. And uh, first person to shout their name gets to comment on the story. For the entirety of the lightning round, you can give a rebuttal to one of the stories. Uh, so here we go. Oppenheimer dominated the 2024 BAFTA Sunday evening, winning seven awards. Other notable winners include both Poor Things for Special Effects and The Zone of Interest for Sound. Scotty? Yeah, so the the BAFTAs rarely line up beat for beat with the Academy Awards, but they still are, are a pretty good indicator of what to expect. So, you know, with the Oscar ceremony just around the corner, I, I did think this was newsworthy and pretty interesting, especially with Oppenheimer cleaning up the way it did. Uh, it was really interesting, actually, because Christopher Nolan, even though, you know, he holds American and uh, British English citizenship or whatever, uh, he has he's been nominated for BAFTAs before, but this was actually the first time he won. And so to pick up so many, I, I think was, uh, you know, really good for his career. But then, yeah, poor things getting special effects and zone of interest getting sound entirely un- unexpected, but both really deserved. I'm wondering if that is going, if that's like speaking to some, you know, um, possible shakeups or, uh, you know, uh, underdogs taking taking the cake come come the Academy Awards. Judelina Nira, executive producer on season four of The Boys and Gen V, will write and produce a reboot of Bewitched for Sony. Haley, um, cool. Can we erase the Nicole Kidman movie from memory then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, great. <laughs> Joker Folia Du director Todd Phillips posted three photos featuring Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga in character. Also, commenting that an official trailer for Joker, follow- the Joker follow-up, is expected in mid-April. Jay? Um, this movie looks really interesting. I think Lady Gaga just by every release looks like a more compelling version of Harley Quinn in this story. I We made a bet on last week's show about Deadpool 3 that it would make a billion dollars. And I got curious because I started wondering, like, I could not think of a rated R movie that had made a billion dollars. And I was like, I don't think there is one. And I just kept racking my brain. And so I Googled it. Have a, have a rated, has a rated R movie ever made a billion dollars? Joker is the only rated R movie to ever make a billion dollars, which I was surprised by. Wow. I knew that it did well, but I, I just, for some reason, did not remember yeah. that it had crossed that milestone. And so that... I mean, that movie, like, I knew it was well-received, but, like, and I mean, obviously, it, you know, it got the awards, it got it got the, the reviews, like, all of that, but just reminding myself that it made a billion dollars was a reminder, like, this movie's set up to do something really powerful. Like, um, I really liked that first Joker movie. Um, I thought it was, it was, uh, I liked that it was in its own thing, and I think bringing in just some extra talent and um, the trailer for this is going to be fascinating. I think when it finally comes out, Netflix announced the fourth and final season of the umbrella Academy will begin streaming on August 8th. Matt. Uh, cool. I'm excited uh, <laughs> that they know it's the final season before going into it. Uh, I, I always appreciate that. I really have enjoyed that show every season. So uh, I'm digging uh, the fact that they're hopefully going to end it. Well, um, and give all those characters good resolution. Marvel Studios released the highly anticipated first teaser trailer for X-Men 97, a direct sequel to X-Men the Animated Series, premiering March 20th on Disney Plus and featuring Wolverine uh, having his claws lit up by Gambit. 
<laughs> Scotty, uh, I did have the chance to speak on this one already, so I wanted to you know open up the floor if anybody else wanted to chime in. But yeah, I am extremely excited for this one. And a little bit of uh, news that came out with the trailer is uh, we see the character of Morph who appeared in the original run and they have decided to adapt that character as non-binary, which I think is a really good choice and a, a good move for representation and diversity, especially considering, uh, you know, the X-Men and his power or their power set rather. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm excited for it. Oh yeah, that's cool. And the marketing for this looked really cool. Like they had the X-Men 97 logo. They didn't update it. They kept it the same. And then they put it on top of like a series of VHSs, uh, which mm -hmm. shows me that they know their audience. Like they know who's coming to see this. Like you watch the show growing up. You watched it on Saturday morning cartoons. Like this is a continuation of that show, which I think is the right move. Like you're, you're leaning into what it is, which is cool. Warner Brothers released a new trailer for Godzilla X Kong The New Empire, set to hit theaters on March 29th. Scotty, I'll try to tread lightly here because I think the last time I was kind of disparaging towards this upcoming Godzilla film, uh, it, it upset one of our listeners. So, you know, if, if you're excited <laughs> for this, I'll, I'll be catching it, I'll be seeing it. But I do have to say what I think has like kind of encapsulated this whole vibe of this movie is I saw a social media post where someone said they had the poster for, you know, Godzilla X Kong and it was Godzilla with, with his pink, you know, spikes going down his, his, his spine there and Godzilla with his infinity gauntlet and they're both charging towards and it says, you know, uh, rise together or fall alone. And the response to this was like, I cannot think of a more appropriate response to J Japan's Godzilla minus one than basically a reboot of lethal weapon with Godzilla and Kong. And I was like, you know, that is, that is pretty perfect. I don't know if I can say it any much, but be any better myself. Oh man. <sighs> Amazon dropped a trailer for season two, part two of invincible, which consists of four episodes and begins streaming on March 14th. Scotty. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, Three in a row for me, but yeah, I, I've been on record about how great Invincible is. The second season had a really strong start um, and, you know, did a good job of seeding the villain that Sterling K. Brown is voicing. Uh, so to have his character come back into the forefront, I am definitely looking forward to and excited for that. A teaser trailer has been released for the upcoming Borderlands movie. The film, which is based on the popular video game series, stars Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Kate Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Bobby Lee and is set to hit theaters on August 9th. A full trailer will be released on Wednesday. Matt, uh, this nine seconds did its job. Like it's a nine second teaser for a trailer that will drop tomorrow. And I want to see this. I have no interest in the Borderlands franchise. They actually, I don't know. I don't really like the aesthetic very much from the games. I always thought they looked whatever i didn't interest me at all watched some friends play it once i was like that doesn't look good to me the whole idea of tons of guns like it's just not my kind of game um and this trailer had me in nine seconds i was like i'm seeing this like this looks great and i think the the tone looks really fun it looks ridiculous and silly and jamie lee curtis in her like weird sci-fi era right now like i just really like uh i like what's going on in this trailer um so yeah i am very very excited in nine seconds and maybe the extended trailer will disappoint but like nine this nine seconds got me there's a lot of excitement around the rumor that henry cavill has signed on with marvel studios for an undisclosed role 
Kaylee? Oh, yeah. You know that Marvel's like, what, you don't want him, DC? We'll take mm-hmm. him. And I want some scary Henry Cavill as Doctor Doom. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sony Pictures and Oscar-winning filmmaker Sam Mendes have set plans to make four separate films for theatrical release, one focusing on each member of the Beatles. Uh, the films will be interconnected and tell each band member's point of view. Matt. I don't want to be greedy, but like, <laughs> good. I think we're all too polite for this game. Like, we always play this game every week, and we all pause before we say our name. I don't want to. I, I want to talk, but I don't want to be like rude. It's the point. I got to be more rude. <laughs> this sounds really, really cool, and particularly like fit for me. It's an interconnected universe about a band of musicians, and like, <laughs> I love the idea of taking these. Uh, characters and telling the story from their individual perspectives because so often uh and i'm wondering how this was written how it was researched because so often in a biopic you get kind of like this is the drummer's take on what happened because like the the rights were sold by the drummer and it's his story really and it's sort of like whatever um but the the idea of them taking these as four completely different stories and how their arcs happen but then making it interconnected and like having it be a shared cinematic universe the beatles cinematic universe i am into it i am very into it uh and and just as a musician like the 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 beatles are just uh you know there's no one like them in the history of music they hit on a certain thing that was just perfect for their time and like they're they were too popular for the technology of the time. Like they had to stop playing live shows because there weren't sound systems big enough for them. Like they used to play at like stadiums and the sound systems, the people were too loud. You couldn't hear their music. And so it was just screaming people like that is such a weird, like they had to advance the technology of sound systems to catch up with their popularity. That's just a weird and cool thing. Um, And I, and I am really excited to see, uh, this it's really really neat yeah scotty with a rebuttal i will say the the two that i am most looking forward to are going to be the george harrison and the john lennon films those are kind of my two beatles but uh the whole i thought of an anecdote when you were kind of talking about how the technology had to catch up with the beatles and one of my favorite like john lennon anecdotes is how uh he would get frustrated because he couldn't hear himself sing over the the fans so with the song i want to hold your hand he would often say i want to hold your gland just to see if anybody would catch it. <laughs> I'm going to get in on this one real quick, too, to say that uh, evidently there was a bidding war for this uh, idea whenever it was pitched, and hmm. uh, Sony had to pay a lot of money to be able to distribute these movies. So there's a lot of excitement in Hollywood around this. Uh, Scotty and I were talking before we recorded that. It looks like in the article that potentially the way it's written is that the plan might be to release all four in one year. And that year would be 2027, (laughs) which I think actually is the right move. I I don't know if you'd want to separate these types of films over four years or something. I think that might stretch them a little too thin. So I think that does make sense. But um, also it should be mentioned too, that they have secured the rights for the Beatles music for these films. So it won't be one of those like weird music, you know, biopics where it's like, they're kind of singing songs that are sort of like the Beatles and they're supposed to kind of be, let it be, but it's not, let it be, Uh, you know, they, they, (laughs) but they actually do have the rights to the songs, which is, which is great. Yeah, that is great. Um, I, 
Did you guys see, I think it was HBO put out a Beatles documentary a few years ago. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Is it the Peter Jackson one? Uh, Um, I think so. That one is on on Disney Disney plus. Yeah, it's on Disney plus. Oh, okay. Disney plus. Um, yeah, it, it like was so interesting to me. It, if this is the right one, it just let you watch a rehearsal with them sitting around rehearsing and it is boring. Uh, it, it, but it is so fascinating. Like it's the opposite. It's two polar opposites. Because if it was anyone else in the world, it's just guys sitting around. But like it's the Beatles, and they're talking about how they're gonna structure a song and like who's gonna come in where. And it was weird as a mu- again as a musician watching it and being like, they're so much like guys I know. Like they're talking about music the same way guys do at a gig. You know, like and it's just so interesting to see that that it's like so. Um, I don't know. It, it, the The nuts and bolts of music don't change in that way of rock music, where it's just like, oh yeah, the drums come in here, do something like this, da 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 da, da. and like even the attitudes of the band members and the one guy who just never talks and he just plays his thing, and like, it's just, it's just, it felt like I was watching my band, uh, through a weird time travel machine. It was weird. I, I really like that uh, documentary. It's called Get Back Too, by the way. If you want to check that out. Yes, 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 yes. And I think it's like multi-part thing. Yeah, it is. Mark Ruffalo clarified previous comments, telling fans that he, in fact, will not appear in Captain America Brave New World. Scotty, I hope this is a case of Marvel lying to us because like, we know all the pieces are there. You have Tim Blake Nelson coming back. You've got Harrison Ford appearing as Thunderbolt Ross, probably going to appear as the Red Hulk. You've got Liv Tyler coming back after her long hiatus and sure it was it was edward norton uh that was in that movie with her but i i have to imagine you know they're mark ruffalo's kind of been one of those like mainstays as like we've seen the core avengers kind of go off and and do their own thing he's been kind of one of those that's still in the stable and still willing to appear in like you know post-credit scenes or pop up in she-hulk so i have to imagine uh he's willing to to pop up in and brave new world and i hope this is just a case of them misleading us for our, our excitement when the movie actually does hit the theater. Yeah. Up next, that was fast. Rogue One and the creator director, Gareth Edwards, is now steering the ship of the upcoming Jurassic World movie. Haley, this is our new fantastic forecasting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put that evil on uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> you better get invested real fast, Jay. <laughs> uh, no, Gareth Edwards is great. I know, um, Matt and Scotty, you reviewed The Creator, and while it wasn't your favorite thing, I think visually you enjoyed it, and he seems to do well with movies like that, and obviously the Jurassic movies are very visually focused, so hopefully this one sticks. Spider-Verse producer Yuki Demers posted concept art on X of a Batman Beyond film that he and director Patrick Harpin pitched to DC and Warner Brothers five months ago. Jay, if you have seen them, um, then I think they have a very like Spider-Verse vibe to them, which really peaks i think a lot of, which is the reason that it was put out it really like peaked everybody's interest like i would really like to see this you know if this was the direction mm. you were going to take this in and um yeah like it's it it's it's really if you haven't seen the images you should go look at them because i think like it does give a particular vibe to what this movie could have been and it it was never in production it was never but it was an idea that was pitched and um i don't know i think like 
you could see maybe some interest come around it, like weirdly enough, like if, if enough people sort of kind of are feeling it, which I think a lot of people, it seemed like the conversation was very positive around it today. Rebuttal. I think they need to make sure they differentiate it from Spider-Verse because right now it just looks like the Batman Beyond character slapped over Spider-Verse. And I don't think that's (laughs) that interesting, but I think that production team could do something interesting. And the quotes were that we pitched this and we were told no, but then we were told maybe. So it's just kind of out in the stratosphere like, hey, do you like this? Make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that was exactly my my take. I was going to say it was just like, this feels like they did it five months ago and want it to happen, but it's still not. And they're like, hey, don't you want this, the internet? <laughs> uh, tell us how much you want this. And I, I mean, I think it fits. It's a great idea. Obviously, like, um, you know, Terry is like the successor of Batman. And it's like, you know, just like Miles is for Spider-Man. And it just feels like it could be a good fit. But also, yeah, I agree. It, it needs to dif- differentiate itself because those picks are looked so Spider-Verse. <laughs> Whoever he's fighting even looks like the spot. Yeah, well, the unfortunate thing is it also runs the risk of like appearing derivative to audiences because not only do you have, you know, Terry taking the mantle from Batman, but you have, you know, set in the distant future. And we're already seeing that with Spider-Man 2099 in the Spider-Verse films. So like, that's true. It's, it's not yeah. their fault. I mean, Marvel and DC often have a lot of like similar threads like that, but the timing, they have to pay attention to that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that wraps up our lightning round. Um, let's say uh, great show tonight, guys. Thanks for being here. Um, let's hear uh, where everybody is online. Haley Hobbs. Yes, I'm over at Source Pages. If you want some more Dune talk, we're going to cover the second half of the novel next week. And then I'm on Bingers doing Oscars Watch and Dune coverage. And so, yeah, check it all out. Sweet. And Jay Sisson. I am at Commute the Podcast, where you can come learn a couple interesting things on your way to work for about 20 minutes. Uh, we drop on Monday mornings, so come check it out. Sweet. And Jay Scotty St. Clair. Yeah, I have been a regular contributor to both uh, you know, branching coverages that Binger's Assemble is doing there with the Oscar coverage as well as Dune and then Animation Deliberation. We have taken a little bit of an unplanned hiatus there, but uh, we are planning to come back in full force very soon. Sweet. And, uh, you know, you if you like this show, follow us on all the socials. Multiverse Newscast, I think most places, um, at Multiverse Newscast. And where's the one that it's not that? <laughs> <laughs> that would Twitter. be our Twitter. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter is MN... Cat, M- what M- is v- MV Newscast. There you go, that <laughs> thing. MV Newscast on Twitter, but all the other ones are at Multiverse Newscast. Um, and we just we just created a TikTok. And we're going to really try to be posting clips. We got to do it. This week, there will be clips. Um, or I drink your milkshake. <laughs> all that. Uh, next week, we'll talk more on Multiverse News. Peace. You stay classy, Multiverse. <laughs>